Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Dayton, Ohio, it's time for Dayton Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Dayton Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Uh, Today, we have Jeff Hanna with us, and he is with Exhibit Concepts. Welcome, Jeff. Hi, Lee. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Before we get too far into things, tell us about Exhibit Concepts. How are you serving folks? Well, Exhibit Concepts has been in the business for almost 40 years, but we do face-to-face marketing, broadly speaking. Uh, We create trade show exhibits in interior environments globally, and that includes everything from permanent interiors like uh, museums, executive briefing centers, um, immersive educational environments, which is a new thing, a relatively new thing, emerging trend, and trade show exhibits, both in the U.S. and internationally. So kind of a broad array of things, and we also, that does include mobile marketing vehicles as well, and and nowadays we're launching into new territory, more so, which is virtual exhibit platform, where we're able to take what's happening traditionally on the trade show floor and do it in a virtual environment based on the fact that everybody's basically stuck in their homes these days. Now, the company, though, uh, pre-pandemic was, um, it wasn't just temporary um, places. You you also no, create no. permanent places as well, like when you said museums, or is it just the temporary exhibit within a museum? No, it's actually the permanent interior environments and the permanent exhibits at museums around the country. The museum work is mostly in the U.S., but some of our permanent interior work is done outside the U.S., Singapore, and other places around the world. But yes, it's not the temporary exhibits. It's permanent, like the Computer History Museum, California, the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum is one that we recently did, awesome, uh, Museum of Science and Technology, um, and just a number of them, the Navy SEAL Museum in San Diego. Those are the kind of museums that we produce, design and produce. Is there a different strategy when it's a permanent um, museum as opposed to a temporary, even a a trade show? Like, is it the same when you're dealing with a customer that you're trying to give a good experience to? Do you attack it uh, slightly differently if you know it's going to be there for a long time? Yes, we do. And it's a good question. Um, I mean, the process for the design development is a lot more intensive generally and more time consuming and spans over a number of months, starting with an interpretive plan. And it goes through a lot of iteration of of design development. And so it's a lot more intensive, I would say, because it is the creation of something permanent and will probably have a lot more visibility over its lifespan than a trade show exhibit. So the trade show exhibit, you know, effort, although important in the design phase, is a lot shorter, faster turnaround, generally speaking, and it's done within, you know, a couple of weeks to to a month or so. Sometimes for larger shows, we might spend a couple of months back and forth working on design development, whereas it's not uncommon at all in the museum world to spend, you know, six months or more uh, even longer in times to develop the interpretive plan and then get into the conceptual development phase. So, yeah, and, and the r- approach is different. The time is different and the level of intensity and research and everything that goes into developing the museum side and the content part is a lot more robust 
Now let's talk about kind of the human behavior side of your business, um, because I would imagine in each case, you're trying to have a human being uh, first see it and say, wow, this is amazing, and then interact with it at some level. Um, how important is that element when you're doing any kind of design work? Um, well, I think it's huge. I mean, you do want to attract people and then you want them to really engage with it. You want them to get excited about whatever it is that you're attracting them to and and you want them to have a takeaway from it. So um, we we are constantly looking at ways to to interact with people, ways to attract people to look at certain things. How much information can they take in and what ways and methods can they take it in? Are they just reading something? Are they interacting with something? Are they listening to something, watching something? Um, and, and listening to something could be not only like an audio track or some kind of, but it might be musical. It might be sounds. It might be all kinds of different things. So, I mean, finding different ways to interact with people, attendees and creating that experience is hugely important and our design team really focuses heavily on understanding human nature, human behavior, uncovering that, especially for the target audience that we're trying to reach, and then what kind of form that needs to take so that we can get that in front of them and connect that with that person. And the more, you know, our philosophy is the more senses you can stimulate the more memorable the experience becomes and so a large part of that is trying to get them to interact and engage and all that and they don't always necessarily engage or interact the way you want them to or they may have be having a bad day or uh, not feel like engaging or whatever so you you may have different experiences or you will have different experiences based on what's going on in an individual's life at the moment they you know, interact with some kind of, um, you know, display or whatever it might be. But that's the point of it is trying to reach people where they are and bring them outside of themselves and into a unique experience that's going to be memorable. And it might be something that we, in some of the museum work that we do, that they, that we want to change behavior or we want them to have a learning moment or reach deep down inside and touch an emotional cord with them. And so there's a lot of different reasons, but, but yeah, that's hugely important. Now, when you're working with a client um, at the beginning stages and you're just trying to get an idea of, you know, what is the outcome they desire? What is it they want the person to feel? I'm sure your solutions are things that aren't even like, they don't even know how to ask or even kind of articulate Mm -hmm. what the finished product is. So how do you kind of guide them through this process to really get to the, you know, maybe the five whys deep into why they are working with you and what they want to happen? Because I'm sure you're going to, you're going to deliver something that's not something they are asking for directly, but you're trying to create like kind of an emotion that they're, that they want to have happen. Yeah, that's true. Um, very good uh, insight to that kind of question but you're absolutely right they ask us things um what they think they need but what they're really asking for might be quite different than what they're articulating so it isn't uh, a short conversation it ends up being a process that we go through to guide them it's the discovery process that we call it 
where we um, take them through either brainstorming sessions or design charrettes with all the key stakeholders within that organization, whether it's a corporation or a museum team or whatever kind of situation it is. Sometimes it's immersive educational environment, but we'll um, go through a process of discovery with them. And that means that our team does various kinds of exercises with them to get them to kind of try to articulate what it is they want the outcomes to be. Like you mentioned the five things or whatever. We want to bring that out of them, but we want to bring that out of a number of people, not just out of one person so that we can reflect that back to them in the planning process and say, this is what we're hearing that you wanted to achieve do you all agree with that and get the stakeholder buy-in, if you will, before we start developing the concepts further? So it is a process. Sometimes it's individual meetings with people. Sometimes it's group and team meetings. Sometimes it's a full day design charrette, or it might be brainstorming sessions for a few hours. And and you're doing different things, not only, you know, writing stuff on a, on a whiteboard or whatever, but you're also doing exercises where people are kind of forced to uh, wrestle with different aspects of the topic and things come out of that process. So it's very productive, I guess I would say in the end and helpful as a way to get to that solution. Right. And I would imagine it's very collaborative. Like this is they're they're probably digging deeper than they probably imagined that they would have to, in order to really deliver that kind of uh, kind of final product that stimulates the five senses. Yes, absolutely. And collaboration is is key. And we want them to be involved along the way. And that way it will be better. They're the subject matter experts typically in their field. If it's the Navy SEAL Museum, for example, or some company or group like that. So, um, you know, they they know they have a sense of who their audience is. And, and sometimes that even comes into question is, they think they know who their audience is. And sometimes through some of the research, we find out that their real core audience isn't who they think it is. And, and you're going to do something quite differently if you're working on a children's museum than you are if you're uh, working on, a, you know, something like the Navy SEALs. Now, let's talk about uh, the pandemic we're in now and the impact it's had on the trade show and event industries. Um, how have you seen that play out? Uh, you know, a lot of people are working from home. They're not going anywhere. The travel is kind of shut down. I'm sure that's had a dramatic impact into your world. It it has. It has been particularly devastating, I think, to the face-to-face marketing trade show and event companies are really, really suffering right now. I mean, not only the travel industry and hotels and airlines, but shows are canceling. In the beginning, you know, I was kind of downplaying it and I thought, you know, maybe a few shows will cancel and things will spring back in a few weeks. And then as time progressed, started to see how big this really was and how big the impact is and how long lasting it's going to be. And you started to see more and more shows canceling. So in the first few weeks, it was every day series is a number of series of shows were canceling. And even now they're continuing to cancel through um, the end of this year. So um, and I've also been 
some companies uh, have started to reach out. Some owners or senior leaders at other companies have reached out to me recently just to to share what they're going through and kind of what they're facing. And I think some of the companies that are solely engaged in the event and trade show sectors only are not going to make it. Um, unfortunately, they're going to, some have already had to file bankruptcy and others probably will be doing that soon. Thankfully, in our case, we're quite diversified in the permanent interior environments and other areas so that we can ride out that storm. But a lot of companies are not going to make it through this because they just simply don't have any work. And it looks like the the return, most of the studies that have been done in, in our industry, most people believe it's going to be the first or second quarter, at least, of 2021. And some think even further than that before the trade show and event world returns to some sense of normalcy. Now, are there any kind of leading indicators you're looking at to seeing how they are behaving that's kind of going to be a clue on how your world's going to open back up? Like, are you looking at how are they going to handle sporting events or things like that, that, um, you know, right now they're talking about, you know, having sporting events without fans. So anything that how other people are attacking kind of large groups of people, I would think would be an indicator for you that, hey, this might be breaking or this is getting worse. Yeah, it is stuff that we are looking at and monitoring pretty closely, including shows overseas. Germany has started to have some events, and China actually has started to have some new events start back with, you know, safety measures in place and that sort of thing. So we are monitoring that, and there's a number of organizations like show organizer or associations and uh, event industry associations like IFAS, International Federation of Exhibition and Event Services, EDPA, Exhibit, or sorry, it used to be Exhibit, but it's Experiential Designers and Producers Association. A number of associations in our industry are monitoring those things and also working with um, the government as well to look at ways to to be able to bring events back. I think the big thing is going to be consumer competence the show organizers are are probably a little bit more willing at this point to put on the event if they think they're going to get the attendees the issue is the attendees and some of the companies they work for are afraid to send them and then if the exhibitors don't think they're going to have the audience they don't want to spend the money to go to the show and put on the exhibit so um, virtual is becoming a, a reality right now too so that that's one aspect, but it's a uncharted territory. Now uh, you bring up virtual. Virtual has its advantages and disadvantages in this world. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, virtual probably can attract bigger crowds in terms of anybody can tune in because it's virtual. But the negative is is you're not kind of stimulating those five senses that you can in a face to face setting. Um, how have you guys kind of responded to that? And do you have some solutions that kind of try to thread the needle? Yeah, that's a good observation. Um, what we've launched is um, through our next lab, which we have, which our next lab group is a team that I oversee. It's new experiential technologies lab. And that's the group within exhibit concepts that does all the interactive and engagement kind of technology development stuff, including augmented reality, virtual reality, and so on. And uh, that team within the company, along with some other parts of of our team, creative department and so on, 
uh, create a virtual exhibit platform. And you're right. Um, well, traditionally, face-to-face -face marketing people have always shied away from virtual events because they saw it as a threat. Um, my outlook on it and the outlook of some right now is that we're embracing virtual events more because I think that, well, for one, that's the only option we have anyone has at this point. But number two, I think that as, as we go through this, there will be permanent changes that happen as a result of COVID-19 in the world and in our industry in particular. So my thinking is that virtual will find a balanced place within the face-to-face -face world. And like you said, it has a broader reach in many cases and, and for people that can't for one reason or the other, whether they might be sick, I'm talking about post-COVID-19, in the future, whether people can't travel for one reason or another and can't go to a show, I think that shows will have a virtual dimension to them that they had not had before so that they, it can have a longer lifespan or a longer shelf life. Um, there will be aspects of it that can live on beyond just the event itself, which is great because shows typically, you know, it's three days, four days. And after that, it's a photograph and a memory. So the good thing is it can have a little bit more existence beyond the actual event and reach people that couldn't be there otherwise. The downside is, yes, it doesn't have the stimulation aspect that you have, and people do get tired of sitting in front of their screen all day just looking at you know one webinar after the other. So what we're doing um, to thread that needle in, in your term um, is that we're making it interactive and engaging and using virtual reality or augmented reality kind of experiences to go along with that, which are different and putting people in an, a more of an immersive environment and having them be more participatory where they are remotely. And so we think that's going to be a better solution than just being a non-interactive participant watching something online. Well, that's a, a great pivot on your part and, and a great kind of attitude into leaning in to the circumstance and not try to just deny it and just say, okay, this is our new reality. Let's work with it as best we can and just put the uh, the uh, kind of the weight on you in terms of, okay, we're going to figure out a creative solution that stimulates as many senses as possible and do the best we can under these circumstances. Well, uh, kudos to you and your team. Thank you. Thanks. Now. Um, for you personally, uh, you've always been a thought leader in the space and it shows in how you're handling this kind of uh, crisis situation. Uh, talk about some of the other work you do in terms of kind of sharing this knowledge you've learned over the years. Um, well, I have a, um, outside of my work at Exhibit Concepts, I do have a, a website and a blog and a podcast uh, referred to as the Global Exhibitor Podcast and the Global Exhibitor Blog and website and uh, I speak at a number of events and um, do interviews like this from time to time and, and speak on various topics related to, to the industry which I really enjoy I, I like teaching and it's uh, important to me and I like to give back and I, I think it's a really rewarding to be able to help people move forward in one way or the other or give them a different perspective and so uh, with the Global Exhibitor podcast, we're able to, which is in its second season, and uh, we're able to 
bring in a lot of guests from around the world and talk about cultural aspects of of um, working together and how that manifests itself in the face-to-face world. So it's been really fun, exciting, and and interesting. And and you learn the most when you're doing like what you're doing, interviewing people and talking to them. You learn a lot through that process. So that's been you know really rewarding for me, and and I've learned a tremendous amount through it. Now at at exhibit concepts, do you have certain kind of verticals that you work within, or do you, um, or is it kind of a free for all? You'll you'll work with anybody. Um, me personally, or the company itself? The company exhibit concepts. Like, is that do you have specialties yeah. uh, that you're? Hey, we're really good at the technology, or that's our niche, or or is it pretty much kind of wide open? Um, it's pretty broad. Although I would say there's some industries that we probably. Um, don't work in so much like the automotive industry. There are some companies that kind of specializes specialize in automotive. Uh, we do some in the healthcare sector. We do a lot of technology uh, work, but it's pretty broad, uh, I would say, across the spectrum. But there's some that um, that we probably don't do so much, which is automotive. But most of the other ones where we have a presence in anything from technology to food service and work with a lot of major brands, including companies like Kellogg's and uh, companies like that, that, that you would know and recognize. So now for you, what's the most rewarding part? Is it the kind of coming up with the concept, the idea, or is it the actual when you're on the floor and then somebody comes in there and it's got a wow moment? Yeah, I think, well, it's hard to beat that. Um, having that that wow moment and you know the unfortunate thing is some of our design team doesn't always get to go to the show to see the wow moments from the clients so we try to get them out to shows when we can but those those individuals really do enjoy you know getting to see people interact with something that they created in their mind as an idea you know and to see that in 3d space on the floor and people are interacting with it there it's it's hard to beat that kind of uh experience and rewarding experience for you as a designer so i think that's probably the the most uh, fascinating part of it but we have a great team too and and uh they play off of one another they you know motivate and inspire one another i mean i have to say since i've been at exhibit concepts and we've been uh sort of going through some rebuilding process a little bit for the last several years in the creative area. And we have such a really dynamic and great team. I have never worked with such a talented uh, group of people before. They're just amazing. Now, if somebody wanted to learn more about Exhibit Concepts, is there a website? Yes, it's um, exhibitconcepts.com. And then if they wanted to... uh, 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 kind of check out your podcast or website for that? It is. Yes, it's just uh, globalexhibitor.com. And well, uh, and it's on Apple Podcasts and, um, you know. Or wherever podcasts are found. That, all uh, technical platforms <laughs> for podcasts, yes. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for sharing your story today. It's an amazing uh, story you've got and the uh, um, – the amount of work you've done and all the things you've accomplished is really impressive. Well, thank you, Lee. I appreciate it. And it's good to talk to you again and uh, appreciate you having me on the show. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Dayton Business Radio.